Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! Happy New Year, everyone. It's a new year, new hope for the New York Jets, new hope for our podcast because producer extraordinaire and supermom Marissa Dunn is back. Things will definitely be running smoother and we'll have some bonus sound effects in the background as well. Thanks for all the great Apple reviews of the last month. We read them all in the last episode. Um, that was fun. Keep them coming. We'll throw in some here and there. Um, yeah, it's been a while since the Jets played last Thursday. We haven't recorded since then, but we'll get into the game a little bit. We'll talk about Dalvin Cook and the team waving him. We'll talk about Joe Douglas, worst, best free agent signings of his tenure, but we got to start with the return of our producer. Marissa, how is it going? Yay. Day two, you are back. Day two. Um, so, you know, when I planned my return, I kind of thought the football season in Cleveland could be winding down. It's Thanks to Joe Flacco only ramping up. So I am balancing coming back to work and with my foot over here, bouncing uh, Madison in the bouncer. So just trying to manage it all, but I'm so excited to be back and talking to you guys and loving the comments in the chat. And Madison is happy to be here. If you can hear that, um, she knows there's a lot to talk about as always with the jets. So Missed you guys. I'm very grateful for a wonderful maternity leave from The Athletic. It's been the best six months um, being a mom, and I'm just excited to be back and lots to discuss, as always. Well, we are excited to have you back, for sure. Um, I am excited to not screw up the tech stuff going forward, Tim, although today a, I'm still a in great charge. Job. So. Yeah, you, Tim, you're, <clears throat> you give, you're like saying that I was taken fully back over. I'm not fully logged in the same way. Like, I'm still so the training wheels. Marissa's are still just on. here for to enjoy herself today. Still. The training <laughs> wheels are still on, but at least I didn't get my cord stuck in the mic this morning. Um, that was Zach. So my mic is working. Zach's is not. So it's I'll Zach, give my so, I'll give myself so, bonus props for that. Yeah. Tim and so I are Zach's falling apart, mic, and Marissa's thriving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zach's mic doesn't work. My voice doesn't work. Um, yeah. But we will get through this podcast. Um, I will continue to clear my throat as I'm getting over. Um, whatever is going around, it is a yeah, non-COVID but terrible cold that's going around. Um, so let's get right into it. Let's start with Dalvin Cook, Zach. Um, obviously, big signing in the offseason, close to training camp. Brought him to, to training camp. The fans cheered him. It was a big celebration. This guy's going to really help. And then he didn't. And now he's been waived. Uh, we'll see if he catches on somewhere else. Um, but this is a... I guess a great example of a, a free agent signing that just misfired. And the, at least at this point, we can just put it in the rearview mirror. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this one, it, it was a very weird signing because it didn't like, it didn't seem like they had a plan for him. Um, he only had one game where he had more than 10 carries. And that was the very first game when Rogers went down. Um, I think the idea, or at least we thought the idea was like they would, have him and Brees split, and then eventually Brees would take over. But they also all offseason said that Brees would be ready for week one. So it's not like they were pretending like he wasn't going to be. So I think ultimately they signed him because somebody in particular wanted them to sign him, <laughs> um, uh, Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers went down, and then there wasn't really much. They weren't playing with leads, so they weren't running the ball a lot. So maybe that was part of their calculus because – Everything they did this offseason was under the assumption they were going to be winning. 
and winning by a lot and stuff like that, which was a crazy thing that you would think ahead of time. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just it never worked out. I, I mean, he was a he was a pretty good soldier. Like he was a good teammate. Um, he never like pouted. I, before the trade deadline, he made it clear he wanted the ball more, and if not, he was okay with going somewhere else. And I think I predicted in my like midseason like second half predictions that they would eventually mutually part ways. Cause I think it just made a lot of sense. I don't think, especially now that they're playing Izzy Abanaconda more than him. And he was a, he was basically a healthy scratch last week while being active. Um, writing was on the wall. I'm curious to see how much interest there is in him. I'm sure one of these playoff teams will scoop him up for depth at running back, but yeah, it's a, it's a loss. I mean, you gave a guy uh one year deal up to $7 million, 5.8 million guaranteed. I know he waived the last week of his guarantees, but that doesn't really make a huge difference. Uh, that's a lot of money for a number two running back that you'd never play. I mean, he had 67 carries for the entire season. Um, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, and after last offseason when Joe Douglas seemed like he couldn't miss, like I, he had quite a few misses this offseason. This isn't the worst one. We're going to get into that, but um, this was not a good one. And, you know, this is, he's going to, Dalvin Cook had one of those Jets careers that like people are going to forget that he played for the Jets until it's like a trivia question like 10 years from now because <laughs> he's one of those classic like they've had a lot of running back running backs specifically actually that running backs to end their careers in New York or at the end of their career when they're winding down they come to New York um you know guys like Le'Veon Bell and Anian Tomlinson um Matt Forte those guys are more productive than he, Le'Veon Bell wasn't but those guys are more productive than Dalvin Cook but yeah it seems to be this is the place where the the great running backs come to get a little money out of the jets before they go off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah. Un- unfortunately. All right. Well, that brought up the thought of the best and worst of Joe Douglas yeah. signing so far since he's been running the jets. Did you rank these or are these just, uh, do we just, yeah, I, I, yeah, I came up with some rankings. I, I didn't <laughs> dig too deep into it, but I don't think it was that hard to come up with. It's like the order for like the second half of the top five of each side was a little tougher, but um well let's do uh, if if you're in the chat weigh in on these two because yeah yeah for sure we'll see what you guys have to think i will say before we get into the top five that i I do want to say i think this um you know an underrated need i would say this offseason is like getting a number two running back that like more fits with this style of what they're trying to do like whether he's someone who's explosive or he's someone who's like good as like a blocker or a short yardage back like they need to get a number two back that can contribute and there's always a lot of running backs um, in free agency that don't really usually cost much. I'm going to pull it up right now because there's some really intriguing ones they can get. I don't think for very expensive, for much less than they pay for him. You know, there's uh, Devin Singletary on the Texans, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. There's, uh, let's see who we got here. J.K. Dobbins, who I think is a friend of Rodgers because they were rehabbing together. A.J. Dillon from the Packers. Antonio Gibson. Like there's a, Zach Moss who had a great year for the Colts. Like there's a lot of guys you can get for – Cheaper than $6 million, which I think Dalvin Cook was like one of the 10 highest paid running backs. So, um, wow. yeah, Raheem Mostert's making $2 million and he has like 20 something touchdowns. Um, there's, there's no reason to pay, overpay our backup running back, no matter what your situation is. Yeah. And that you talked about how he's been a good soldier and hasn't complained well. It's been paid well. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I did notice that he, he did seem like happy even recently. Like when you would see, he'd kind of be laughing and, walking around the locker room like all right well i'm they're they're saving me up now i'm going to be fully ready to go when i go to another team so (laughs) (laughs) all right uh let's do worse first you want to i think we should start at number five and work up sorry number five all right joe douglas has time so what's number five i keep going back on who i wanted for the fifth because it was close i ultimately settled on dalvin cook but it was between him and cj uzama for me um 
we just we just went over all the cook stuff. CJ Uzama, they gave a three year, twenty four million dollar deal. So I I guess you could say that's worse because it's a multi year deal. And yeah, I, yeah, I changed my mind. CJ Uzama's fifth. <laughs> Dalvin Cook is honorable mention because CJ wound up just being a blocking tight end who, um, you know, wasn't even a particularly great blocker. I think he's a teammate that everybody loved, and he was a, like a leader in the locker room and and all that stuff. But he didn't really make an impact for a tight end. They gave a decent amount of money to and. They restructured his contract this last offseason, so when they cut him this offseason, it's going to cut them more. Uh, so that was a bad one, and I think fans kind of soured on him after he uh, – in the beginning, he had, like, that personality everybody loved, and then when he wasn't producing, that falls away pretty quick. Um, number four, I put Lakin Tomlinson. Like, you understood it when they signed him. He was, like, a Pro Bowl guard with San Francisco, knew the system. So I, I think the logic was there. They just gave him a little too much money, $40 million over three years. That's kind of what you have to pay for offensive linemen. You're going to see that. This is kind of the issue when you build your offensive line through free agency, which they're probably going to have to do this offseason. You have to overpay guys that if they're available, there's probably a reason why they're available. I was thinking Nate Solder when the when I right before I covered the Giants, they gave him like 60 something million, made him like the highest paid offensive factor in the league. But it was just because he was the best available. But the best available offensive lineman isn't always necessarily like a Pro Bowl caliber guy. But anyway, Lakin, I think he's been. I don't think he's been as bad necessarily as everybody thinks. I don't think he's been good, not worth his contract. And I'm very curious to see if they cut him this offseason. Um, some some great comments in there about uh, Marissa and Madison and the Jets. Uh, yeah, Madison so I, is I, trying I, to chime in as much as she can. I do keep muting myself a little bit because she, she's got She's some, like, offensive linemen matter. That's what she's She's got going. some really hot takes. So I'm like, you know what, girl? We got to, this is our first day back. We got to ease ourselves back in before we start like dropping. <laughs> she she said, why didn't the Jets sign my daddy? <laughs> yeah, I think that was in there. So <laughs> uh, I got number three. This is before my time, but Ryan Khalil. That was in uh, Joe Douglas's first year. Or, or full, first full year as the GM and uh, no, 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 never mind. It's 2019. Yeah. One year, what 8.4 million. He had already been retired. I don't even think he physically was in football shape, but they came and offered him like a boatload of cash and he was, he was awful and was gone within the year. Number two, I put Dwayne Brown, uh, two years, $22 million contract. I, I think at the time, I think it made sense. Like maybe this is harsh putting a number two, uh, but they had to overpay because they didn't really come in with great depth on the offensive line. Makai Beckton gets hurt. They have to overpay a 37 year old. I think he was, I think he was better than he gets credit for before he hurt his shoulder. Um, and then he kind of was dealing with that injury the entire season and he eventually tapped out. And then this year was an absolute disaster with injuries for him. So um, it was two years, $22 million and he barely played ultimately. So um, hard to argue then number one was kind of easy I'm sure everybody can guess it Alan Lazard um, is already going to go down as one of the worst signings in team history four years 44 million two years of it I think 22 million guaranteed um, like he's just been an absolute disaster um, in like every possible way like um, and again it's it goes back to what I alluded to with Cook earlier like do you blame Joe Douglas or Aaron Rodgers for this one but um, ultimately the Jets gave him the contract overpaid him, made him the highest paid receiver this offseason. And it's pretty clear he needs Aaron Rodgers to be productive. And I'm very curious to see what his role looks like next year if they just bury him on the depth chart until they can cut him kind of thing. Because you cannot go into a season relying on him as your number two. And I don't even know if I'd, you know, be okay with him as my number three, frankly. So that's that, those are the top five worst. Others I considered were McCall Hardman, Keelan Cole, um, I didn't include Corey Davis and Carl Lawson because they both had their moments, but they're like in the middle. 
between bad and good, I would say. Carl Lawson, some bad luck, obviously. I mean, I think yeah, he bad luck with injured him. that first year. Yeah. All right, let's flip things because we're not a dark, depressing podcast. <laughs> but we try not to. Even be. though people so accuse us best. of that, yeah. We're going to do the top five free agent signings. And there are some good ones here, too, for Joe, yeah. for JD. So same thing. Let's start yeah. at number five and work our way to the best free agent signing in Joe Douglas's tenure. Yeah, yeah. So number five, I went George Fant. Um, I don't have the contract they gave him in front of me. It was a three-year deal. Uh, he was okay his first year. He was really, really good his second year at left tackle. He had some injuries in the third year. I just think that was just a solid veteran offensive lineman signing. The kind of signing that they kind of have to make this year, I would say. Find a guy like that. Um, He's like still in his prime, not like a big name necessarily to at least fill one of these holes they have on their offensive line. Uh, number four, I put Sheldon Rankins. He was just solid for two years uh, next to Quinn and Williams. Number three, I cheated and put Thomas Morstead and Greg Zerline together. Um, <laughs> because... Hey, specialists in people too. <laughs> <laughs> I combined them into one power specialist. <laughs> um, but they, I mean, they've just been absolutely dynamite this year. Greg last year. Um Honestly, without those two, they probably wouldn't even have six wins, which is pretty crazy. That just tells you how this season has gone, that the punter and the kicker. Because Morrison's been pinning offenses down in the inside the 20 all year. And Greg has missed one field goal, I believe, all season. Um, wow. He's just been absolutely amazing. And the Jets do not have kickers who just do their job that well. So um, he did miss one game with an injury, so he wasn't perfect in that way. But number two, maybe fans will like this one, but I'd Connor McGovern, number two. Got three solid years of him where he started almost every game. Got hurt this year, started half the year, but didn't pay him a whole lot. So I, I think that was ultimately a good signing if you just look at what you got out of him. And then DJ Reed, I think, is an easy number one as well. He's going to go down as one of the best signings in team history. He's, he's going to get a raise on his next contract. I would hope the Jets extend him before he runs out next year. But, yeah, he's he was in a home run. And I think Robert Sala honestly deserves some credit for that because Sala coached him in San Francisco, and I'm sure that's why he was comfortable bringing him here. But – yeah, so there, there were some good signings. The ones I put that just missed were Morgan Moses, Quentin Jefferson, and Tyler Conklin, who I think have all were all solid guys for this team. Some comments in the chat, like Quincy Williams, that was a waiver. So yeah, so I, I didn't. I should have mentioned I didn't include the waiver yeah. claims because I and I, Bryce Huff was an undrafted. That's kind of a yeah, yeah. Bryce Huff was undrafted. So if if we include a waiver claims, then you have to include Quincy and JFM, probably a, in the one two three range. But I, that's not quite the same thing as like going because when you're Claiming somebody on waivers, you're not competing with other people to like sign him. I mean, you're not negotiating. You're just getting the guy off waivers, and then you're hoping that it works out. Whereas free agency, you have to do all the work. You have to negotiate. You have to figure out how this guy fits into your system. And there's some that they've done a good job of that with, and some they've done a bad job of with. Of it with. All right, let's go back to. Um, I want to touch on the game Thursday night, even though it's been a while at this point. Um, just big themes from it not really like getting into the the play-by-play -play or anything first big theme is the atmosphere right you guys were both there which is neat um uh, yeah it was awesome you got together yeah. before the game right for lunch yeah it was did, great yeah very good yeah town, love when zach comes to cleveland yeah. yes yeah. shout out to town hall it was it was Although, very I, in the afternoon i'll tell a story that kind of ties to aaron Rodgers in a way so there this place is known for their like bone broth um <laughs> which is what rogers famously has said is what healed him <laughs> Uh, and I thought it was going to be like a soup type situation. So you like go up and build it up and you type in all this bone broth stuff and all the different kind of food items in it. And then it just comes out of like a little coffee cup, like a long-to-go <laughs> coffee cup. And I'm like waiting for like the bowl to come out. And then I realized that's just how they deliver the bone broth to you. So Marissa's like, you might want to go and get some actual food. Meanwhile, um, 
Meanwhile, this is one of my favorite places because they have a lot of gluten-free stuff. So Zach gets mm-hmm. this coffee cup full of things. And <laughs> I have a giant burger and fries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Zach gets this little coffee cup and I'm I about to dive in. I'm like, oh, I mean, I'll, I'll give it a try. And then after a couple sips, I'm like, yeah, I need to get, I need to get some food. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was a very nice lunch. Yeah. It was, it was a very cool atmosphere uh, for the game. So. Yeah, clinching yeah, the on the line, awesome. obviously, and and yes. the Thursday night and and all of it. Um, it looked really cool for that side of things. Obviously, it went all the other way for the Jets, <laughs> as it does. <Yeah. laughs> uh, it was a, it was a pretty ugly game for the. I mean, we're not going to recap the game too much because it's people have moved on with their lives by now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the the Joe Flacco part of it obviously like makes you sting a little more. I'm sure, um, at least from Jets coaches in front office, I would think, but. Um, I, I don't want to get in X's and O's, you know, just because my yeah, 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 yeah. things. But I will say, for me, one of the coolest things was all of the post game footage we saw. Yeah, I was gonna say online yeah. after, and all of the Jets players that were like genuinely just so happy for Joe Flacco. Like that's really cool. That's the side. I mean, obviously, the game didn't really mean much for the Jets, but the fact that all of those guys made an effort to go see him and congratulate him and you know give him a hug, like. That's the kind of thing that I feel like, you know, it's a fun, fun story to see. And uh, that was that was cool. And kind of I, twisting the knife for Jets fans who have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to say, I didn't want to say that part. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I was going to say CJ Mosley had a funny one to him where he's like, you ever think that you'd have the city of Cleveland chanting your name? Yeah. Yeah. Like the Browns are on Joe. offense. The Browns are on offense. And, you know, when Michael's playing jumbo tight end, I'm like, okay, you know, like super zoned in and the it's like loud. I'm like, they're going to be on a silent cadence because they're like, flag, go, flag. I'm like oh. <laughs> by the way, Michael Dunn had a great block in that game. We saw, we saw a highlight of that. He go did Michael. have a really, really nice block. Uh, I think it was you know, towards the end of the game. I think it was on. Yeah. Who was, who was it on Quincy? Um, I think it was Quincy. Yeah, I can't remember. We you, you sent us the clip. I I can't remember who it was. Yeah, but I think yeah, it was, it was towards the end of the game. I think it was in like the. Uh, I'm not sure towards the end of the game, but yeah, um, <laughs> we love it. It's a blur. I mean, Thursday seems like like a month ago at this point. So, yeah, it was it was a fun night. The big thing I was going to bring up um, beyond the Flacco stuff, which which was cool, and I think a lot of Jets fans appreciate you know what he did here last year and the year before, and and you enjoy seeing guys do well, but from the Jets perspective, just the mistakes, Zach, the 10 penalties on Thursday, I think it was 15 the previous week. Um, They're piling up and this is the time of year when you're supposed to have things kind of like figured out and buttoned up. And this team is just playing sloppy, messy football when obviously everyone's coming back from the coaching staff, but still like you, man, it's not what you want to see heading into an off season where yes, we know there's no playoffs. We know it's been a terrible, disappointing season, but you'd like to see guys at least have some sort of like structure here late. Yeah. If we had had this conversation more soon after the game, I'd probably be more fired up about it right now, but I've had some time to breathe because I, they were just highly disorganized. The dis, like they, they're the most penalized team in the NFL. And they weren't half, halfway through the season. They were in the bottom half. So that tells you how much they've been penalized over the second half of the season. I think it's something like 26 penalties over the last two weeks. Um, and it's pre-snap penalties are a lot of them, which that that falls on coaching. Like if it's 
if it's like a late hit or if, if it's like they always say they're, they're fine with like the ones that involve them, whether it's like a late hit or not like not like they want them to happen, but like it means they're being aggressive, like aggressive penalties are OK. But when you're when you're having 12 men on the field or when you have to burn a timeout because you have 10 men on the field or um, you take a delay of game, I think or they had a 10 on the field and they took a delay of game and then Greg Zerline had his field goal blocked. They used a timeout in the third quarter early. Um, it just like the coaches did not prepare them properly for this game. And we, we've seen a lot of sloppiness from the team this season and, and really over the course of Robert Sala's tenure, but especially in the second half of seasons where it seems like they just, once they're out of it, they I'm not saying, I'm not saying anybody gives up because I do think their players are trying. Um, like, I don't think anybody would accuse these guys of not trying right now, but the tackling effort has been poor. Um, and just ultimately like, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but ultimately this falls on Robert Sala, this falls on Nathaniel Hackett and even Ulbrich to a degree. And, and Boyer to a degree. Special teams had its moments too. Like the season's over, yes, but like, like you you need to go into the off season like f- feeling okay about the structure of this organization and, and the chemistry and the and the culture and all that stuff. And they can say all they want at the podium. I think feel great about it. But if if you're winding down the season and you can't get these guys to line up properly, like that reflects very poorly. And I don't see why anyone would believe you could fix it next year just because Aaron Rodgers there. Like it, Aaron Rodgers doesn't fix all their problems. Like, everybody can say that all they want internally, externally, all that stuff. Um, maybe he can help the offensive line issues. Maybe he can help the wide receiver issues. He cannot help coaching issues, discipline issues, and getting them prepared issues. So um, they have a lot they need to reflect on. I think Robert Sala has admitted that to a degree finally. Like I think it took – a little bit too long of a time for him to like take accountability at the podium because it, this was a couple weeks ago. He blamed, I think it was after the Dolphins game where he was like blaming everything on the offensive line and the offensive line was bad. But as a coach, like after a game, you have to put it on yourself. And then the next day you could be like, all right, we watched the film. The offensive line needs to be better, all that stuff. And I think he's struggled with that a little bit. There's a lot of excuse making, excuse making that goes on in this organization. Um, and so I think everybody, and I think they know this internally, like everybody needs to take a look in the mirror and figure out how they can be better next year because bringing Aaron Rodgers does not fix everything. And even even when Aaron Rodgers is back, I can't imagine he'll be happy with the way um, the culture has gone to a degree this year. So I think they have the pieces in place to be good again next year. Like they have the talent, but it's been a very concerning effort. That Washington game arguably would have been even worse than the Browns one because they Washington's a bad team. And they almost blew it um, with some poor effort in the second half. Uh, so um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very curious to see what this Patriots game looks like. You have nothing to lose. Like, I hope this week because, you know, usually when they play the Patriots, they all try and pass it off like it doesn't matter. I, I think they should just embrace the crap out of it this week and be like, yeah, we want to beat the crap out of them. We have nothing else going on. Um, we never because you them. know that's what Bill, yeah. Belichick's going to do. Oh, yeah. Like, if it's Belichick's last oh. game, Belichick is pulling out all the stops for sure. We'll oh, although, in the week, obviously, I would but. say Patriots fans would, if there was ever a time to lose to the Jets, like this is – this is the one. Oh yeah, but that's like, the fun. That that will be the and again. This will be. We'll probably hit on this pretty hard later in the week. But the to win or not to win debate this week right. is. You can right. see but both Bel- sides. If Belichick's not returning to New England, well, like he yeah, doesn't. He doesn't care about the draft. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to care about that. But like, it would be right. quintessential Jets to lose, and then the the Patriots get uh, the next great quarterback for the next ten years to right. torture. Right. Them. So. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jinx it, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> fans are talking about this already <laughs> yeah i think we've been talking about it since mid-season like when it was like uh when you when it was clear how bad the patriots were 
Uh, yeah. With our there was a moment last week where it seemed like there was still a chance the Jets could finish last in the division and then the Patriots lost. So, um, it would have been because everybody kind of assumed the Patriots could be the last. So it would have been pretty perfect Jets stuff for them to still wind up at last. But they have a chance to beat the Patriots and feel a little better going the offseason. And the fans can get mad when the draft comes and the Patriots get their quarterback. But um, I do think fans would be happy with the win this week. I, I think that generally I feel like if they won this game, they never beat the Patriots. Like getting that getting that skid off, and so we don't have to ask them about it a million times next year. Like I, I think everybody would be happy with that. I don't know, but the people in the comments can say what they think. But um, down the line, obviously, it doesn't bode well. But you know, you can you can live for this moment for 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 this one week. I think. <laughs> yeah, just just snap the streak. Like make make yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and their draft right, pick, so- they're pretty locked in. They're pretty locked into the eighth pick too. So like, even if they lose, I think right. they need a lot to happen to move up. So, right. All right, some other kind of news and notes. Um, Dwayne Brown's season is over. We talked about him being a terrible signing. That's kind of the cherry on top of that, I guess, is that he's done. Um, and then Zach, is is Zach Wilson's Jets career over? Yeah, well, the Dwayne thing, yeah, it, it felt inevitable because he, he was at a point where they are using him as a jumbo tight end because he like physically couldn't hold up for an entire game because of his like, hip injury. Then he added a back injury to it recently. Um, I do wonder if he retires. I Knowing him, he probably doesn't want to go out like this, so maybe he tries to catch on somewhere else, or he waits like Jason Peters until somebody needs him during the season. Um, yeah, you know, I don't even blame him necessarily. I, I what I blame is the Jets for banking so much, especially coming into this season. Last season, I understood it more to bank so much this coming into this season on a thirty-eight-year-old coming off shoulder surgery as your left tackle to block Aaron Rodgers, like. That was faulty thinking, and that was one of the more damning things that Joe Douglas did this offseason, frankly, beyond the no backup quarterback thing and the wide receiver, too, and all the other mistakes they had. But um, <laughs> um, that, that was just bad. You know, you're, you, they essentially were relying on Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton to anchor their offensive line, and those were two of the riskiest guys on this roster. You know, I, I don't think they even wanted Mekhi to start initially, but Billy Turner and Max Mitchell are so bad in camp that they had to start Mekhi. And then we saw as the season went on, and Mackay's, I don't know, I don't know how Mackay's doing physically, but he got worse as the season went on. He was a risk anyway because he, he has barely played the last couple of years, and and Dwayne Brown. So ultimately, that's kind of like one of the stories of the season is, you know, it, it feels like ages ago, but Dwayne Brown was the left tackle in Week One after he barely played in training camp. I, I don't think it was his fault the Aaron Rodgers injury. I think it was more the play call of the cut blocking and all that stuff. And it feels like it was, you know, we can talk all we want the what ifs, but. The idea that Rodgers had made it through this whole season behind this offensive line, I, I think, is faulty logic ultimately. Um, and and then we. So what changes this offseason, yeah. though? Yeah. Like, do they yeah, just yeah. totally revamp everything? Is the O line coach still there? Like, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, if that's what they're banking on. That Rodgers being behind that that line, yeah. like that's a that's a lot to do in one offseason. Yeah, well, that's and as, as again, you know, obviously, like. When, when you change an entire offensive line, like that group needs to figure out how to play together too. So there's right. bumps in the road. So yeah, I, I think you're going to see them get a new left tackle, a new right tackle, and probably a, at least one, if they get rid of Lincoln Thomas, at least one new guard. And then you have to also decide what position you want AVT to play and he's coming off an Achilles injury. So um, it's a big, 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 That's a lot. Mark. maybe. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Joe Tittman is the, Joe Tittman is the only one you can look at and be like, okay, we know he's locked in as our center next year, and they can feel good about that draft pick. Which the rest of the draft, we haven't really seen anything from these guys yet. But yeah, I don't know if they want to bring Lakin back. 
especially at that. He has an eighteen million dollar cap hit. ABT is he a right guard? Is he a left guard? Is he a right tackle? Um, maybe they maybe they make that decision based on what they can get this offseason. They don't have a second round pick, which makes that first round pick especially important. So they do they use that on this is a class with like very like talented wide receivers and there's offensive tackles that and there's a few that are rated as like top ten guys. So you need to decide like do you invest your money in free agency and wide receiver or offensive tackle? Because I don't think they can afford like getting a elite guy at both or whatever. So there's a real balance that Joe Douglas, a real fine line he's going to have to follow this year. I would not recommend going after David Bakhtiari, frankly. Um, that feels like what Rodgers would probably push, but that guy hasn't played this year. He's been – I think it might have been ACL. I got, I'm not exactly sure. He's but, had like several um, complications, I yeah. think, from that surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're bringing him in as a swing tackle, like I, I don't know that you should be relying on another injury-prone guy. So, But – and as I mentioned earlier, like the problem with – there's no winning here. So basically the, the problem with go, going free agency for like your big investment is that usually, like I said, the guys that hit free agency, there's probably a reason like teams don't let great offensive linemen leave. Like that doesn't happen. And then in the draft, you draft a guy. It's pretty rare for a rookie offensive lineman to be good right away. Like it happens, but it's, it's hard because like those guys have an adjustment. Especially at tackle. Especially yeah. at tackle. Yep. So like you're, you're banking on either a rookie or, you know, you're spending a lot of money on a veteran, which, you know, if it doesn't work out, then it affects the next GM more than it does Joe Douglas, I guess. But um, yeah, so I mean, the offensive line is going to be the story of this offseason. I feel like um, it's every offseason yeah. with the Jets. Yeah, it's it is. crazy. Yeah, it is. And it has been for a long time. They keep many, trying. How many years have we been doing this podcast? I mean, Joe, the, I mean the, whole sto- the whole story everybody brings up is Joe Douglas promising Sam Donald's parents that he's going to get an <laughs> offensive line in front of him uh, to protect him. And he has not done that. And I think, I'm very, I mean, we're going to talk to Joe Douglas at some point next week. That's going to be a big topic of conversation as well with the backup quarterback thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's all or nothing on that offensive line this offseason. So I, I, I'm very curious to see. Like, our, it would not shock me if they do a lot of restructures, they clear cap space, and they just go all in on siding and completely new offensive linemen. Add some rookies, get some, like, get a better veteran swing tackle than Billy Turner. Like, they need to go. They need a plan for the absolute worst because two years in a row they've lost all their offensive linemen every week it seems like so you need to go and expecting that to happen again and if you play in that way i'm not saying you need five starters as the backups because that's unreasonable but like you need to have a better swing tackle a better interior backup that can play like all three spots like you need to fill out the backups a little bit better and they did not do a good job of that this year obviously all right i mentioned zach um we thought we'd see him play out the oh, final yeah. few weeks and obviously the <clears throat> concussion still in protocols so it looks like this is the end and he won't get a last game as Jets quarterback on the field, it feels like. Yeah, for the first time, like for initially, Usala said whenever he's back, he's the quarterback, but he kind of like backed off of that a little bit the other day. He pretty much said he'd be in consideration, which is a much different change in tone. So I think they roll with Trevor Simeon again this week. Um, we'll know for sure today. Uh, we'll find out if Zach was cleared or if they'll play Coy and, We'll see how he goes does in practice. He hasn't been cleared of protocol yet, I don't believe. So, yeah, I do get the sense that, you know, you know, this isn't controversial. I mean, this is the last we've seen of Zach in the Jets uniform, probably. Um, and this offseason is going to be very interesting because what can they get for him? I can't imagine as much. They don't really get much cap savings from even trading him. I, they just don't lose money. They just they take like a big cap dead cap penalty. But both sides need to part ways. This is what Robert Sala. 
this has been reported by someone other than me, but I know it to be true, is that Robert Sala told told Zach Wilson that um, when the season was over, they would trade him. They would find a spot for him. So um, I think that's the direction everybody's going. I think um, there's been frustration from both sides about how things have been handled. And now the Jets are going to make, I would hope they're going to make backup quarterback a big priority. That I know we're going to talk about. There's like been a rumor about um, somebody, but um, and we can go to some of their other options. But yeah, they, Zach's, I mean, well, we've talked pretty much every angle about Zach Wilson and his career here. There's not really much else to say. It obviously was a failure. I, I do think, especially in that Texans game, he showed like when he's at his best, what he can do. Uh, so I do think there'll be a team that will take him. I'm just very curious to see what team it is and what the Jets can get for him. Maybe a fifth round pick or something like that. Like worst quarterbacks have gone for more. So I, uh, I'm curious to see where he lands, how it looks. He'll do way better outside of this market. Um, and you hope that he doesn't go to a, another market like it, like Philly or something. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's unfortunate because I was hoping to see if he could replicate that Texans game. And the Dolphins game was a disaster because of the O-line. And he never really got a chance to do it again. But he does have that on tape. So that's a positive thing. So um, yeah, I'm very curious to see where he winds up. Well, I'm sure we'll get into like options once the season's over. Yeah, for sure. All right. And you mentioned the rumor um, came out this week, Justin Fields, that the Jets potentially would be interested in going after Justin Fields as their QB2 behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Zach, your thoughts? I mean, it's a ridiculous rumor, frankly. Um, <laughs> like what? And, and so, number one, like you would have to be free agent for that to happen because they're not going to trade a bunch for a guy who has shown to be like at least a usable quarterback with some di- dynamic skills. And second, obviously, they would be interested in it if, like, he was available and willing to do that. But that's that is not going to happen. Like, this guy's a starting quarterback. There's not as many good starting quarterbacks in the league anymore, and he is one of the like twenty best, probably. Like, that's where we're at right now. So, I thought that was a ridiculous rumor. Um, I wouldn't listen to it, and I'd be unless the Jets plan on making him their quarterback in the future. I just don't see that happening. So, um, but the name I I will say that I've heard that the Jets. Um, might be pursuing this offseason or ha- would have interest in is Jacoby Brissett. Um, he's played very played for the Browns last year and this year for Washington when he played against the Jets. He did. He like just does the job. He does. He's exactly what you want out of a backup quarterback. He can run the offense, get rid of the ball quickly. Um, he has a nice, he's a good army throw down the field. So I, I think he'd be an ideal backup, but I think he's a name to keep an eye on this offseason. Mobile enough to survive yeah. behind the Jets offensive line too. Yeah, so he he's the kind of guy. I don't know what he's going to cost. I I'm curious to see what Woody is willing to pay for a backup quarterback this year, especially after all the criticism they got this year. And I know he hears it. Um, I don't think they wanted to pay three quarterbacks last year, which is why they didn't really do much. But yeah, that's there's options. I know Gardner Gardner Minshew is a guy this organization has liked quite a bit. I, he's probably earned a starting job at this point too. So I don't know if he'll he'd take a number two with this team, but. Um, Brissett, I think, would be the top target right now if, if the offseason was starting tomorrow. All right. What else? Did we miss anything, Zach? Marissa, did I miss anything? I, uh, I think it's been a great show. <laughs> happy, really like, happy to have um, back. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Madison is loving just Quiet sitting here listening. You know, it's funny. Every time I talk, <laughs> she talks. Um, so I've been meeting myself after she can't hear you guys. I'm like, maybe I got to get her some like baby headphones. You can follow the conversation a little better. I got to take my AirPods out so she can hear the conversation. She's a big listener. So, um, but yeah, I mean, 
I big fan of Jacoby Brissett. Um, think that he is a a great teammate too. Um, so if the Jets can land him, although I, I think he's making eight million this year, so could be. Yeah, uh, I mean, it won't be. It wouldn't be cheap, probably. But yeah. um they they can't. They'd have to invest in a backup quarterback. Totally, so, like, totally. Whatever. It and takes. he would. He I, would be a guy to do it for. So yeah, I will say one thing we, that. We did Madison leave a five-star review? She did, she actually. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I was she has say, lost uh, one sock and two toys on the floor, but she made sure to leave her five-star review. <laughs> Great. She knows how to use a phone already and everything. It's yeah. <laughs> Future super producer. Right <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I was going to say, last week, uh, Albert Breer had something about the Jets. I think somebody alluded to it here. Um uh, where Salah basically like alluded to bringing the whole staff back. I, I don't think the mm-hmm. whole staff will be back. We you kind of asked about Keith Carter earlier. I'm curious to see the O line. On one moves, hand, like yeah. The, yeah. On one hand, the offensive line has been a mess. On the other, like three offensive line coaches in three years is not really a recipe for success either. So right, that'd be interesting. Right. But yeah, but yeah, I I can't imagine that offensive staff is going to look the same. I would expect some changes there. I don't know who or what. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett will be involved in that change. But I would he be involved in the play calling change though. Like doubtful. I, I know we've I talked. About I don't. It. We, should he be involved in the change? Yes, but yeah. um, yeah, I don't. I don't see that happening. And and you know, guys like Todd Downing and Keith Carter, those are guys that Robert Sala like pursued and was like ecstatic about hiring. So I don't think he'll simply just get rid of them without a fight. So um, there's other areas I guess they can address, but it's just like painting lipstick on a pig, as they say, like. Mm-hmm. firing a position coach doesn't really change much. Ultimately it's the operation. That's the issue. So we'll go into the next year and you hope that Aaron Rodgers can fix all, all your ales with some bone broth <laughs> with some bone broth in a coffee. Cup. Right, that's that's going to do it for us. I uh, will be back on Friday to uh better preview the Patriots game. I will also try to get on that. We're nearing the end of the picks competition and we have a clear leader right now, so we're going to see if we can get him on as well to talk about that. Uh, should be a good show on Friday. We'll talk to everybody then on the Can't Wait podcast.